Welcome to Economics with Dr. A, the podcast where we break down economics and business topics to empower your life. I'm Dr. A, your guide in this journey, bringing you over a decade of expertise in teaching, research, and student mentoring. Join me in exploring the insights that matter, helping you make informed decisions for a better personal and financial future. Ready to dive in? Let's get started. I just got done reading my favorite book for 2023. Today, I want to share with you why I love the book, and my goal is to convince you to read the book in only three quotes. So if you're looking for a great book to read, here it is. The book is Hidden Potential by Adam Grant. I picked up this book because as a professor and as a mentor of the Hale Fellows program, I'm always looking for ways to help improve our ability to identify potential. I am concerned that relying on GPA only as an identifier of success and potential makes us look overlook so many people that are talented individuals. In my next episode, I'll actually talk a little bit about this, uh, the problem that I have with GPA as a determinant of success. On a personal note, had my undergraduate GPA determined my success, I would not be here today. In addition, I'm also interested in identifying the environments that help students, faculty, and staff grow and uncover their full potential. And this book focuses on how to unlock that hidden potential. So if you've been in my personal circle in the past month, you have heard me speak about this book or share quotes from it. And for me, it's hard to summarize this book in only three quotes, but this is going to be my attempt. And at the end, I will tell you what I see is the common thread between all of these quotes. So the first quote goes like this. By fueling harmonious passion, deliberate play can prevent bore out and burnout. Although it might sound similar to gamification, deliberate play is fundamentally different. And what Adam Grant discusses is the difference between what we call deliberate play and deliberate practice. We are often taught in education, and I'm guilty of this, of leveraging deliberate practice. The reality is deliberate play might help spark innovation and improve productivity more than deliberate practice. So what's deliberate play and what's the difference? To, to summarize it, I'll give you an example of writing. So in deliberate practice, in most writing classes, we teach our students or we tell people to be a better writer. It involves taking a paragraph and revisiting it over and over. And we would practice varying sentence structures to make the sentences more interesting. And over the life of the editing and the re-editing, we would improve the writing. On the other hand, deliberate play would uh, try to make the writing process more enjoyable or write in a fun way. So a prompt would be something uh, similar to write a paragraph in the voice and tone of your favorite author or write a paragraph in the tone of a friend of yours. And the goal here is for you to try something new and fun and different and that forces you to play and push the boundaries. So this might seem like a slight modification from deliberate practice, 
but it's a mental exercise that forces you to remove failure from the discussion. When I write or create content like I am right now, there's so much pressure to make it quote unquote perfect, to get it right. And when the pressure is high, the process becomes overwhelming. And by making the process more playful, it reduces the anxiety of perfection and it allows me to uh, uh, let creativity take over. And this is the exact thing that we're trying with the Econ with Dr. A team in 2024. Our goal is to play more with the content that we produce. So you will see us try new things and test out new models of sharing content and knowledge. And we hope that by experimentation, it will lead us to new things and push our boundaries. But most importantly, it will allow us to have fun. The second quote is about celebrating every win. And the quote goes like this. What looks like a big breakthrough is usually the accumulation of small wins. I like this quote because it is a reminder that our success is made of small accomplishments and that the breakthrough is actually the summation of aggregate actions. So what that means to me is when we celebrate breakthroughs, we cannot neglect the many small steps that we took to reach that breakthrough or that goal that we have accomplished. And when I work in teams, I try to have my team members celebrate every step of the process. And sometimes it seems like, oh, this part of the step is not uh, big enough for us to celebrate. And we fight it. I fight it really hard every step of the process. And academics would know this, uh, especially in research. Research is such a long timeline that if you don't celebrate every step of the process, you might lose momentum. So as a professor that mentors students, uh, this is at our forefront. So, and, and the reason that I am so sensitive about this with my students is my personal views, our current generation is under so much pressure to succeed and uh, to find success that their parents or their role models have, uh, or what they deem to think that their parents want for them. However, that pressure um, is, is misguided and my students don't stop to think, where were my parents at my age? Everyone seems to be chasing the final product, but rarely do they realize that they're actually on a path and sometimes they might be doing better than the generation before them or their parents at their age. So this quote is also about reducing the stress uh, of the journey by appreciating every step of it and enjoy the journey. The next quote is for the perfectionists out there. And Adam Grant says, perfectionists fail to realize that the process of reviewing your mistakes is not to shame your past self. It's to educate your future self. Once again, this is a mental exercise. And this quote resonates with me because I consider myself a recovering perfectionist. Um, when you are so focused on being perfect, mistakes are a sign of failure. And that failure is can be extremely shameful. The mistakes become signals that you should stop trying, that you are too far out of your quote unquote comfort zone. And this is a dangerous sentiment because mistakes are in fact the opposite as Adam Grant uh, you know, says. 
Mistakes are a sign that you are learning and that um, they make the future you better. Lean into your mistakes. Shift your mindset away from mistakes indicate failure into mistakes indicate growth. Recognize that failure is actually only when you don't try. And often we don't try because we are perfectionists and scared to fail. So I said three quotes, but I'm going to give you a bonus quote. And the bonus quote goes like this. I now believe that imposter syndrome is a sign of hidden potential. It feels like other people are overestimating you, but it's more likely that you're underestimating yourself. They've recognized a capacity for growth that you can't see yet. When multiple people believe in you, it might be time to believe in them. A couple of episodes back, I interviewed Becca Wilson. During the interview, she said something similar to this quote when she was talking about our mentorship program at the Hale Fellows. And in her interview, she said, repeating a conversation that I had with her about her being scared to fail. And she said, I told her, and I don't remember this, and this is the power of being a mentor. Sometimes you say things that resonate with people and it might be so trivial to you, but it impacts others greatly. The quote that she shared with me was, I mean, I can't count how many times you told me that, you know, you don't like, where, where's your record of failing? Like, yeah. where's your data, which to put it back into like research assistant terms is like, where's the data that you've collected that shows that there's a high probability of failing there? It's not there. There's actually data that shows that there's a high probability of you succeeding in anything that you do. Where is your track record of failing? Everything you have done has been successful. What evidence do you have that you will fail? That's a good reminder. Often we're scared of failing, but everything that we have done, there's no track record of failing. So when we experience imposter syndrome, we are afraid that we are pretending to be something we are not and the expectation people finding us out uh, becomes scary. In actuality, the expectations are not meant for our present selves, but these expectations are of our future selves. So the story that I like to tell my students is every job that I have uh, gotten, I was not ready for the job on day one. I grew into the job. Somebody saw my potential of growing into that job. And yes, on the first day, I was always worried that somebody's going to find out that I um, am not hundred percent qualified. So my rule in job searches now is if you're 60% qualified, you can apply for the job. And that's the advice that I give my students. The expectations are that you will grow into the position. And if you are applying for a position that you are hundred percent qualified for and is easy to you, and there's no, that means there's no growth potential for you because you've already met all the expectations you're undershooting. So take the leap of faith and believe in yourself when people around you are giving you every indication that you should. Trust others. Let's talk about the takeaway. The common thread between these quotes is that to uncover your hidden potential, you have to put yourself out there and try new things. We as a society, mentors and leaders need to reduce the barriers around developing new experiences. Whether those barriers are internal, self-inflicted um, limitations 
or external factors that are holding us back. So what is the environment that we are creating? In my research lab and when I work with students and on my teams, um, we try to eliminate the fear of failure. Just go out there, try something new. And we've had so much success in the past two years because we've made failure part of the learning process and the growth and uh, understanding how do we pivot and continue to develop new things. So we need to develop a culture that embraces failures as a learning experience rather than the scarlet letter that defines you for the rest of your life. If you're new here, my name is Dr. A. I hope you enjoyed this content. If you're watching on YouTube, please like, subscribe. If you want to make sure to access this on your podcast, we are a podcast as well. See you all next week.